Hello, welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm Masood Raja, and today I'll briefly talk about another postcolonial novel, this time from Jamaica, A Bang, a novel by Michelle Cliff. Now, A Bang was published in 1984 as a prequel to a novel that Michelle Cliff had already published, which was entitled No Telephone to Heaven. Now, Cliff herself is a deeply amazing figure in the Caribbean as well as American writing. So she was born in Jamaica. Her family moved to United States when she was fairly young. She was educated here, lived most of her life here, but was deeply connected to her Jamaican heritage. She was also bisexual and then was, lived a whole life with her lover of lifetime, Adrian Rich. Now, the novel is set in 1958 Jamaica, and its main action is in Kingston, in, in the large city of Kingston. And our main protagonist is Claire Savage. She is 12 years old during the course of the novel. And the plot involves Claire's life in the city, but also in the country where she goes to visit her grandmother. And the story ends as a coming-of-age Bildungsroman where Claire has hit puberty and is entering adulthood. That's roughly the plot of the novel. Now, the main characters, of course, are Claire Savage, our protagonist, her grandmother, her father, Mr. Savage, and her, mo her mom, Kitty. Now, her parents are a mixed-race couple. Mr. Savage is European. Kitty is kind of African-Jamaican, but also some part of native Jamaican, right? Because Claire calls her mom red. And Kitty, uh, when she is in town, she acts like a normal middle-class lady. But when, as soon as she goes towards the rural part, she really relates to the native people of Jamaica really well. So that's the kind of character she has. But the story, by and large, is about Claire and her friendship with Zoe, who is from the poor part of the town and who actually teaches Claire how to learn about the poorer parts of Jamaica. Now, Claire's story is also of the colonial educational system and what kind of education is being offered to these young women, how much of it includes the native Jamaican history, and that is the point because the novel, which is also autobiographical, juxtaposes the official life of the people within the colonial Jamaica and then it juxtaposes it with the silenced history of the Jamaica. So the parallel to life of Kitty, we are also being made privy to the history of the Maroons, to the history of Jamaican slavery, to the actions of slave owners. All of this history that would have otherwise been excluded from a normal history curriculum in colonial Jamaica is then made part of the novel. So it informs our understanding of Claire's life. As we are talking about the history, so a lot of the actions of the Maroons are covered and we encounter the, you know, first of all, we are taught what the Maroons were. But let's first take a look at where Jamaica is located in the Caribbean and then I'll come and talk to you a little more. And then we'll take a look at some part of, you know, who the Maroons were, and especially Nanny, the Queen of the Maroons. And then we'll talk a little more about the novel. If you look at the map of Jamaica, most of the story is 
uh, around Kingston, which is also the capital, and that's where Claire Savage lives. But if you go slightly to the east, that's where the mountains are, and that's where the rural part is, and it's especially the Blue Ridge Mountains or Blue Mountains. It's now a national park, but this is the area because it was hilly and it was heavily wooded where mostly uh, windward maroons were the ones they had established their own location there roughly in this area. If you look at Moore Town and these areas. And that's where they fought from. And uh, that's also kind of the story of the novel because Claire Savage lives in Kingston but then she goes to visit her grandma somewhere in this wooded area close to the mountains. And that's another important thing about Jamaica to keep in mind. And if you want to look at the actual location of Jamaica within the Caribbean, so north of it you will see is Cuba to the east, Dominican Republican Republic, and then Guatemala, Nicaragua to the west and then south of us of course is Colombia. So that's the location of Jamaica as an island nation and within that the location of Kingston and the mountains where the you know most of the Maroons live. So Maroons were originally the escaped slaves in the Caribbean as well as uh, in uh, the Americas like in Florida and elsewhere. And these were slaves who would escape their masters and then build their own communities, mostly in defiance against the slave owners. Now the Jamaican Maroon history is really peculiar because not only were these slaves who either become free in the 1660s after the conquest of Jamaica by the British against the Spaniards and then some slaves who were freed by their Spanish owners and they form their own communities. The most uh, significant within the novel are the Windward Maroons, right, who are led by Nanny of the Maroons, and I will talk about her a little more. Now the term itself, uh, its etymology is interesting. Some people believe that it comes from French, adjective maroon, which means fugitive. Others believe that it comes from its Spanish root cimarrone, which means feral cattle or something, but eventually comes to mean free slaves. So that's roughly a little bit about the Maroons. Okay, now we know where Jamaica is located, what is its geography, and within that we also know who Nanny was, Nanny of the Maroons, was the fierce fighter who led her people to success in at least two wars. So as I mentioned, the Maroons were escaped slaves, and these escaped slaves the first May, I mean, of course, they were escapees before too, but in 1660s, when Britain finally defeats Spain as the holding colonial power of Jamaica, what the Spaniards do is they set their slaves free and the slaves either free themselves or their owners free them. So the slaves escape to the Blue Mountains and they form the first Maroon resistance group. Now these are self-contained groups. They are armed and they know how to fight and they know the terrain. Now uh, Nanny, uh, according to some records, enters Jamaica in 1860s and soon becomes the leader of the group. Now she was believed to be from royal blood, from 
it is now present-day Kana, but she and her brother is believed are the ones who leave, lead the, the windward Meroons. That's what their name is. They establish a town, they have rules, they take care of each other, they grow their own crops, trade with the local villages, and sometimes raid the European uh, locations. And she successfully defends her territory twice, and finally it ends up in a truce. Now, the reason I think Cliff is adding the story of the Maroons within her novel, this Bildungsroman, is that that history probably was never taught. So the people never even knew who their heroes were because they were too, you know, busy becoming English ladies and Englishmen. So I think that's really the fascinating part of the novel. And you can see that from the very first line of the novel, that this novel is going to tell you the story of the hidden Jamaica, because the first paragraph is about the summer and about the mangoes, right? Mangoes that are an integral part of any mango growing country, but have never had that kind of traction in Europe, right? Because it never grew up there. So she introduces mango as the secret fruit, very native and native to the natives. So that's why I think these historical juxtapositions inform the narrative, but by putting that history in there, she is reintroducing the silenced history. So the narrative struggle of the novel is clear as a 12-year-old, you know, learning to be a proper young lady. But when she goes to the country, her grandmother is her resource for learning the native culture. And so that's where she can roam free. She can hang out with her friend. And then eventually, you know, when she and her friend decide to go hunting for the wild boar, they end up killing a prize bull. That's the kind of the climax of their childhood tragedy. And eventually she's back, right? But it's, I think, her journey into the countryside, which is highly important because it puts her in touch with the part of Jamaica that maybe what Michelle Cliff wants us to believe is where Jamaican identity lies, where most of the Jamaican history outside of the Europeans happened. A little bit about Mr. Savage. Mr. Savage is a descendant of Judge Savage, who was a slave owner, and his heritage is that his great-grandfather was famous when the proclamation of uh, slave freedom happened. Instead of freeing his slave, he's the one who burns all his slaves. So that's his heritage. Mr. Savage is also kind of misleading father figure for Claire because he has very peculiar views about Hitler and all. He is kind of a fascist figure. And Kitty, her mother on the other hand, is mostly quiet. But I think through her interactions in the, when they travel to the country, what Claire is learning is that her mom really switches codes and speaks differently when she's amongst her own people and actually loves her own people. So that's another aspect of it. Grandmother, of course, is a very important character because through her, Claire learns about the countryside and about the life in the countryside. And then her friend Zoe. These are some of the major character. Now, Cliff also does another important thing. She also introduces us to the history of Jamaican slavery. I always use this example in my classes because by giving us more detail, she makes the mere act of adding sugar to your tea a deeply incriminating act. So how? 
So the savages are sitting at their table and Mr. Savage is reaching for a spoonful of sugar. And then in the next paragraph, by juxtaposing it against the history of sugar plantations, she gives us exact figures like how many acres it took to produce how much sugar, how many slaves worked for how many hours. So by the time we are through that historical factual account, we realize that that one spoonful of sugar produced by slave labor cost this much to the slave. So that is deeply instructive because it teaches us that little things that we do without acknowledgement can incriminate us in the process of exploitation. So think of our own lives right now. I live in America. So things that we purchase, things that we buy, what if we were also privy to what happens to people who make these shirts that we wear or the cheap shoes that we can buy. If that's incorporated within the commodity, maybe then we will feel more for our global others because right now we can detach it, right? We are just excited that we can buy things cheaply. So that's what she also does in the novel and I think it's fascinating. So overall the novel ends as Claire has her first period and she is trying to figure out this entry into female adulthood. She's also trying to figure out her sexuality. But by and large, what we learn is what does the schooling do to these young ladies? What is the family structure in which she is growing? How is she learning her British or European manners? And then how is she learning about her own culture? Now, remember, this is a prequel. We have already met Claire in No Telephone to Heaven and she's already involved with the revolution. And so this kind of gives us a backstory into the Claire that we meet in the other novel. So overall, a Bildungsroman, coming of age story, but a coming of age story which is partly autobiographical, but which is also historical because it places our protagonist, our 12 year old female protagonist within the context of Jamaican history. And as we come out of the novel, we are not just privy to what happens to Claire Savage, Savage or where she is headed, but we also learn things that we would have otherwise not known about Jamaica, especially the history of slavery, but also the history of the Maroons and their resistance to the British rule. So that's some of the things that you can discuss while reading the novel or look for. I highly recommend this novel for anyone who wants to learn more about Jamaica or is curious about world literature anyway or post-colonial studies because there are a lot of post-colonial themes here. The issues of race, the issues of identity, gender, sexuality, slavery, resistance of the Maroons. So that this brief novel kind of packs all these things and packs it brilliantly. It's a beautiful storytelling. One thing that I forgot to mention in the beginning and that is the title, A Bang. So A Bang is a kind of, the instrument is the same, but some people say it's a conch shell. Some people say it's a horn which was used on a plantation. It was blown to call the slaves, but then the Maroons use it as a mode of communication. And originally, of course, people think it also came from Ghana, from where most of the authentic tribe slaves came to Jamaica. And that is the tribe that is highly represented in the Maroons too, from, from the current day Ghana. And so the, the conch shell or the horn is what is called a bang. 
in one of the native languages of Ghana. And that was used by the slave owners to call the slaves to work and is eventually used by the Maroons to communicate with each other. And hence, that is the title of the novel, the dual use of the instrument. But also maybe the novel is kind of a call to action, to read history differently, to treat it differently. So these are some of my views about the novel. I hope it was useful to you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. And as always, peace and love.